Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode, an In the Flesh episode. Season two. We got through season one of In the Flesh like so fast, way faster than it took than it was for us to go through the first season of Forever Night. wonder why that is. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, maybe because there was only three episodes. <laughs> and you know what? As I love it. I loved season one, but there's not a ton of plot in season one, right? It's like Karen no, it's, comes it's home and sadness. Drama. Yeah, it's all interpersonal stuff. There's not a lot of stuff stuff that happens. Um, we're changing that for season two. I can tell. They're starting a lot of, they're planting a lot of seeds. Yeah, we got a lot of. Episode one of season two. Got a lot of stuff on our plate. There's a, there's a whole feast. If last season was uh, like a microwave dinner in terms of complexity, this is Thanksgiving. We got a lot going on and we've got six episodes to go through it all. So this is going to be a wild ride. That's what I predict. I did do a little digging as to why this show was not as successful as it should have been. Okay. And it turns out that in the wild, wild age of 2012, when this show came out, mm -hmm. the BBC channel that it was on was attempting to move completely online. Oh. So they ended up canceling a lot of shows that would have otherwise been considered successful because they were trying to limit their catalog so that they could host shows purely on a website. Because this is not, there's no infrastructure for streaming right. that in 2012. At the beginning. Yeah, this is like, oh, Netflix is doing that new instant watch. Remember when Netflix streaming was instant? I do remember. Yeah. So they're like, oh, Netflix is doing that whole instant watch thing. And that's sort of hitting it off. And I do remember this because there's another show called Being Human. And they had an online offshoot called Becoming Human. And Becoming Human was only online. And I had to go to the website and find it and watch it. It's not like now where we would have a streaming aggregate. So it should come as a shock to nobody that that didn't work. But apparently the guy who wrote in the flesh wrote a season three and he has a podcast where he talks about season three and oh. reads the scripts and discusses what would Aww. have happened. So if we're all, when we get all done, if you feel like continuing it, that might be something. I'll try to see if I can dig up a link to it, put it in the show notes. Cool. But we pick up a little while after. I don't think we get a good timestamp on how far after, but it's been a while. And the situation has changed dramatically. We have gone from... Uh, PDS painted on the wall, can't even go outside, to Kieran has a job and he works in the like Legion pub where he couldn't even go in before. Yep. And uh, the amnesty they've referred to. Yeah, the gun amnesty. Where all the guns in the town were turned in. Yeah. I guess personally owned guns. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody's carrying weapons anymore. Um, a lot has happened, and we actually pick up with Ken. We start the series with Ken. Poor Ken. I know. Ken has been like... We were so glad to see Ken. Ken was like, deuces, Rorton, and he he pissed off to the city because he was like, fuck all y'all. I don't want to be here anymore, which I can totally understand. Right. You and took so, away the most valuable thing to me. Yeah. I got revenge, and then I yeeted before... The law could find me. Yeah. He fought the, the law, law and Ken won. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, <laughs> Ken fought won. the law and Ken won. For a little while. So he gets to the city and he's with someone. I think it, he keeps calling him son, but it feels Probably like, a, like, like nephew a nephew. Probably like nephew or grandnephew yeah. or something. And he's, you know, they see a couple of, of uh, PDS sufferers and the nephew calls them like rotters, a slur, basically. And Ken is like, no, 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 no. Like, no, they're just like us. They're... 
They're people. We need to respect them. You know, let me tell you a story sometime about some shit that went down and my part in it. Well, maybe I'll tell you a little bit about my part in it. Not about the part where I slayed a man in cold blood and then just walked I'll off. I'll wait until you're grown up to <laughs> tell you that you're part. grown up. But he's basically like, no, no, we got to, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how to live in peace. And, and we are getting, this is a good way of showing the viewer um, sort of the climate of the relations between PDS sufferers and humans mm-hmm. right now. Because Ken is like, uh, the little boy asks him about the things that have been happening, like about the, you know, the, the uprising, the things that have been happening. Yeah. And Ken is like, oh, no, no, you know, that's sometimes when people are the target of hate, they act out in hate. Right. But it doesn't end up solving the problem. Right. It just makes more uh, heartache. Yeah, it just makes more heartache. And in between all this, we're seeing people getting ready. And it's clearly uh, PDS sufferers. And they are dressed up in like bloody rags. And they're taking down um, something. They're in a building and they're like ripping things off the wall, smashing up laptops. They have like a drug setup. Yeah. It was a safe house of some kind, and they're dismantling it. And then they walk out, and everything's gone and clean, and there's nothing in there. And poor Ken and his nephew, they miss the first tram. They're trying to go somewhere. And they end up getting on the second tram with these people that we just saw. And these people snort blue oblivion, which we sowed the seeds of in the first season, but that never came to fruition. But now we're finally bearing fruit. Right. So they become rabid and they attack everyone on the tram, including Ken, and Ken dies. So R.I.P. Ken. That was a moment of silence for Ken. I hope everybody yeah. else took it too. <laughs> <laughs> and then we pick back up in Rorton where it's like, okay, so we had the highest of highs. We had the uprising or the rising. We had the zombie war. We won the zombie war. Zombies have reintegrated into society to great fanfare. And now... That now we're back to business as usual. Right. Yeah. The things vi- are just kind of coasting along. Not yeah. The they're working in the pub. They're working in the grocery store. They've integrated back into society. Everyone's just kind of trying to act like this is cool, and that's where we pick up. And apparently, Jemima has gone back to school, and is attempting to pass her exams so she can go to university. And I do, I'm glad that we talk about the fact that she has PTSD. Oh, yeah. Because I always want to know what happens after we win. That's why I like World War Z so much, just because we talk about so much about what happens after the zombie war. I mean, we always cover the catastrophe, the zombies appear, we fight them, we win. Okay, well, what happens to the people afterwards? What literally happens when you have to go grocery shopping at the grocery store where you watched your brother eat your best friend's brains? Right. Uh, how do you I'm go? I'm glad they didn't just gloss over that. Yeah, how, how do we go about our lives doing that, huh? Uh, I feel bad for the zombies that are still in school, though, because we do see Jemima right. go to school and there's some zombies at school. And I... Yeah, it's it reminds me of Twilight and the fact that they go to high school. Right. There is no reason for them to go to high school. They could just say they're homeschooled. Right. They're like, oh, you know, we um just do an equivalency. Yeah. I mean the, what is well the younger we start, the longer we can stay. I mean, well, that's fine, but if you don't if you just don't go out and do very much, then you can stay a real fucking long time because nobody right. knows who you are. But whatever, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to talk about Twilight right now. Save it for the podcast? Save it for the podcast. I'm on the podcast. Um, oh, but I mean the Twilight one. Yeah, yeah. And we're also seeing yeah, Amy. Right. And we we hear, okay, so we get the aftermath of the the terrorist attack. We'll just call it what it is, which is yeah, a is terrorist. It's a the terrorist undead attack. army um, terrorist attack. And Kieran is clearly concerned that this might be Amy. Because Amy mm-hmm. is um, with that group. She's in the commune. She's in the commune. She sent a postcard yep, with some concerning phrasing. Yeah, she said she's been chosen for a mission. A very important a, mission. But she can't tell him what it is. And so his dad, I love the dad. Can I just say, 
the the dad. <laughs> so the, he's, he's doing self work. He is because at the end of the last episode, he finally used his emotion language to tell his son how he felt, and now he can't turn off that tap. So he's just like, I'm trying to use my emotion words. I'm trying to tell you guys how I feel. I love the mom. She's like, I'm very proud of you. You're doing a really good job. But not right now. Not right now. (laughs) Not right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, I like it. It works. Yeah, Yeah. it works. And we kind of talk a little bit, you know, it's interesting because in the last, we were so caught up in the last season with Kieran's, uh, effect and the way he moved through the world outside his house it's interesting now that we're getting a little bit more about the family dynamic Mm -hmm. because last time we talked about how um rick's dad absolutely could not accept anything any change literally any change what his son had become yeah and we get a really interesting line. We're just going to hop around a little bit because you watched this episode and we're really just discussing it. So we're just going to go with where my mind is going right now, which is the part that sticks out most to me in this entire episode is when they're at the dining room table and the dad is like, oh, oh yes. yeah, they, they went rabid and but, we're but not eating like people. You. But not, and Jemima's like, dad, oh my God, Kieran's sitting right here. And he's like, oh no, no, he was never like that. He didn't kill anybody. He just walked around in his suit until he got picked up by the army. Right, Karen? Right, Karen? And Karen's like, uh, Karen's what? like, oh, oh, oh. And he starts having PTSD flashbacks because now he's like, shit, I killed, I killed people. I don't know how many people I killed. I, I killed a lot of people. And Jemima knows that because she was there when he killed somebody. So she saves him. I mean, it's a very brother-sister moment. She dumps yeah. water and they make jokes about the dad's genes. But but his dad is also in denial. denial. Yeah. He is knee-deep in water and he can see the pyramids because he can. He is He's in denial. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I got so emotional I couldn't finish that, that <laughs> joke. But it yeah, I thought that was really... Really interesting because we didn't talk about what they thought Kieran was doing when he was rabid right last time because we were so caught up in, oh my God, I hope he doesn't run off and do what he did last time. Right. Ooh, that's a lot. And Kieran wants to leave um, because, so what is Mainland happening? Mainland Europe is a lot more hospitable to, to PBS, PBS sufferers, sufferers yeah. than Britain. So what's happening now is exactly what's happening now or what happened in 2016 maybe, which is when you get a rise in tolerance, the bigots and the assholes don't go away. Right. They just feel muzzled. And what they want is permission to take the muzzle off. Right. And so there is a political movement, the Vickis? Vicus? Victus. Victus. The Victus movement, Victus Party, who is giving them permission to say what they want to say, which is that these people are zombies, they're rabid, and they all need to die. Let's see. Victus is also a line of gaming computers from HP. Well, I don't think that's what they're Uh, referencing. It's a nutritional and medical products company. Uh, It's a sports company. Are you trying, trying to, to find the uh, trying the to, origin? Yeah, the etymology of Victus. Maybe Invictus mm-hmm. is what they're going for. Okay, Victus. From Vivo, live or survive. Yeah. The living party. Yeah, the living party. Exactly. And we meet a couple of those people too. And this is all extremely triggering because this feels like what happened in 2016 when all of a sudden everyone who had felt muzzled felt like they had permission. Because the politicians were saying these things. that They were yes, saying the quiet part out loud. They were saying the quiet part So they part were giving social permission to their constituents. Yeah, to say all this stuff again. And it's it's an interesting thing to highlight. That just because everyone is pretending like it's better now, it doesn't mean it's actually gotten better. 
Right. Because the work to heal that has not been put in. Right. It's just a Band-Aid, like the makeup and the contacts. And we get a little bit more about Kieran and the fact that Kieran is deeply, deeply ashamed of what he is. Because he's been wearing his contacts so much, they Nine hurt his stop. eyes. Yeah, they hurt his eyes. And they're like, oh, well, how many day hours a day would you say you wear them? And he's like, all the time. And they're like, even when you're sleeping? And he's like, yeah, I used to take them out, but then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Right. So. He's also in denial. Yeah. He is also in denial. Right next to his dad. <laughs> yes, but not looking in the same direction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at a different pyramid. He's looking at a different pyramid. Um, which is interesting um, because we didn't really talk about it. I mean, we did a little bit. But we didn't have time for it. We had so many other big issues happening. We didn't really delve down into his personal feelings about the fact that. I think it was the stuff happening outside of him. Yeah. The focus of the first season. Right. And now we're getting a lot more. I mean, this is good. This feels like a mature outgrowth of the first season. This feels like a natural next step, which is okay. when When we were reading up on this and found out. It got canceled after the first season, and then there was a big like fan petition to bring it back. There's always a worry about bringing it back. Yeah, it's like, is it going to be just bleh to make something because right. there's all these people who want to see it, or is it going to be something actually like deep? meaningful story yeah. narrative content. Well, I think given the fact that the creator was so excited about season three that they created a podcast to tell everybody about it. They it, probably had already had a lot planned. Yeah, I think it. it had a very dedicated writer. And which is nice. Which is nice. And I think that's why it's good. I mean I think that's why it's good. I think it's because there's this is a passion project for somebody. Yeah. And I think that it got canceled before they could tell their whole story, but that they had more story to tell. And, and that's think, what it feels like. And I think all of our listeners should already be aware of how we feel about passion projects. And yeah, we love a good passion project. And that's exactly what this feels like. And I'm excited to see where this goes because we also meet a new character, a Victus politician, uh, Maxine Martin. Yeah. And I think the choice of actress for this is very interesting. Yes, she was a very personable urban woman. Yeah. Moving into the local town and a person of color and like giving off a lot of more liberal vibes. Yeah. Like at politi- first politically yeah. left vibes at first. Yeah. And so I was I was shocked when she when he looked her up and she was like uh, yeah. a popular person in the Victus party. Right. I'm like, oh she's Lauren Bobert's secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, much more charismatic. But much more charismatic. This is my favorite kind of villain. Yes. Yes. The smile to your face, stab you in the back villain. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love him I'm, every I, time. I'm excited about her, especially because she was teaming up with the vicar. And then the vicar had like a heart attack or something. And so she took the the book of records yeah. that she's been looking for for like a week. Yeah. For three or four days. Yeah, because we're going to get, I, we're, I think we're going to get more mythology in this one. More about why the rising happened. Right. And, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Like Right. That's, so one of the seeds is the first risen were in Rorton. Yep. And what is the significance of that? Yeah, because we don't know why the dead rose. Right. We don't know anything about it. And uh, this is going to be good. And so she kind of hinted that there's some mythology here that certain people are acting on the information from this mythology in order to influence the outcome of what happens with this second rising. Yeah. And she's trying to stop that because the first rising was pretty rough. Well, I think the second rising is all in the vicar's head. 
You think I, so? Yeah, I think because we we think the vicar and her are going to be at odds. And then mm-hmm. the vicar comes to a point where he realizes maybe they're on the same side. Right. And that happens when they're at a meeting and she's like, oh, no, they're all dead and they all need to die. Because she kills a she kills a PDS sufferer who is still rabid mm-hmm. um, with a drill. She graphically drills through the back of this yeah. guy's head. And someone at the council is like, well, that was somebody's son. It doesn't matter right. if they were local or not. They were trapped in that body and we could have helped them and you killed them instead and she's like they all deserve to die and the vicar's like oh oh, tell me more yeah say it again say it harder and so he invites her over to have some whiskey and they have a couple sips of whiskey and then he takes her out to show her something special which it turns out is a bunker because he thinks if he can get them to kill everybody kill all of the first risen there will be a second rising, but this time it will be all the worthy, all the people that deserve to come back, which will right. be his wife. Right. It'll include his wife and that they'll hide out in this bunker and they'll just ride it out together. And there's room for more. There's room for you, Maxine, if you want to join wink, us. Nudge, nudge. And she's like, you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you're crazy. You think I want the, no, 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 no. I want to know. That's, we don't have the same plans at all. And he gets really upset and that's when he has his well-timed heart attack the i've gotten so stressed and i'm yelling at you that my ticking time bomb of a heart has just exploded right now yeah which that was another serendipitous that was another great scene when we got our the vicar fiery sermon scene like Mm -hmm. we got in the whole first season but when we pan back there's like five people there's like five people in the audience yeah because nobody cares anymore the the audience that he had before he has not kept up with the times right and we get Amy back. Yay. But, ooh, Brain this was also Amy. well done because we get a couple of good scenes of her talking about being undead and the redeemed. And then we go back and she sees Karen and her usual cheerfulness and playfulness and that chemistry, that mm-hmm. innocent friend chemistry that they had in the first season now feels vaguely sinister because right. you don't know why she's back. And she's got somebody with her, and he seems like an asshole, too. And they feel as villainous as Maxine Martin does. Simon does. Yeah. Amy's along for the ride. Yeah, but she still feels like she's been taken in. Yes. Like they took advantage of her moment of of need her moment of weakness yeah and Um, then revealing that simon is one of the 12 apostles yeah of the undead prophet Ooh, it's it's a lot yes it's a lot we got a lot of ground to play with with that plus he just looks like a douchebag i don't know he yeah he does the actor does a good job getting off those vibes and that first meeting with amy is really interesting because they're playful they're doing all their usual playfulness our our wedding's off don't be upset you know karen you're beautiful you're you're more than gorgeous you're gorgeous yeah and it's so sweet and then he says something about you're like a zombie buddha and she goes don't use that word and he's like oh you're a partially deceased buddha and she's like no those are the words that the living have made for us. We are the redeemed. We are the undead. And he's like. And he's like, oh. Oh. Oh, that's how it is. Okay. Oh, mm. okay. I didn't realize you were that far gone. You didn't come back the same age. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a record scratch moment for him. Like, oh, shit. Did I get my friend back or did I not get my friend back? Or am I just a pawn here? Right. And- Let me go home. And just double check my travel arrangements. Yeah. And it's interesting that we leap immediately, heavily into there are two sides and Kieran needs to choose. That's the energy we're getting. Not necessarily that you always have to choose a side in situations like this, because it's like saying you need to choose who to hate. Right. You need to choose who's going to get hurt. Are you going to get hurt or are we going to hurt the living? Which are we going to do? As opposed to... Let's continue to try to make it work and all get along. Like what Ken was saying at the very beginning. Ken is our someone in the first act must state the theme. Yeah. And the theme, I think, for this whole season is going to be, and I mean, full disclosure, 
I don't think I've seen this season. No. I really don't. I thought I had. This is one of those, I must have Mandela effect my way into thinking I'd seen it, but I don't think I've seen it. So I don't know where we're going, but I have a strong suspicion Ken set us up. I think maybe we watched a trailer for season two. I think I was like, oh, season two's coming out. And then with my usual attention to detail, I waited 11 years and now I'm watching it. (laughs) So... Like can I say? I get around to things eventually. I have my own timeline. Um, yeah, so I don't know where we're going, but I really feel like Ken set us up, which is hate breeds more hate. Right. And that's the wrong way to go. Hurt breeds more hurt. And it doesn't solve anything in the end. It's not a solution. What they're doing may seem like not enough, but it's better than... The alternative, which was everyone running around shooting each other and stabbing each other in the head with knives. Right. Almost as if we were on our way to a place where acceptance was on the horizon. It may not have come yet. It may have been the illusion of acceptance, but it was coming. The Victus Party is probably aware. Sorry, I had to burp. The Victus Party is probably aware socially that the momentum is going towards acceptance and integration. Yeah. And so they need a powerful backlash against that to have a hope of preventing it. Right. And you can usually tell how big of a wave of change has just gone through by how big of the backlash you get. Right. Which is what we're going through right now, too. With how violently... Maxine was talking yeah. in that video, we know, we get a sense of how hard they feel like they have to fight against the inevitable. Right. It's like a rubber band snapback. Yeah. When we pull it far enough, it's got a snapback. Yeah. And so we're in the snapback right now. And yeah, I thought it was interesting to see how Kieran had carved out this life for himself and how quickly it all falls apart, too. Because right. when Amy shows up, they show up on their night out, which leads me to believe this is all about Kieran. Whatever reason they're there, it's for Kieran because they needed him. They need him on their side. Right. There's some something reason. special about Kieran. Yeah. Probably related to the the first Risen yeah. or in Rorton. I wonder if they need to get all of the, like, um, mobile PDS sufferers, <laughs> the, <laughs> the the non, uh, the non, like retired PDS subs yeah, yes. from Rorton. Redeaded, yeah. yeah, dead, dead. Yeah, um, I wonder if they feel like they need to recruit all of them. I don't know. I don't know, because that's also who Maxine is looking for. Well, she's looking for records, and some are missing, and it turns out the vicar has the records, and we don't know what records were missing or why. There's a lot lot of good hooks in this episode. Right. We're probably going to have some secret PDS sufferers. Secret? No. I think it's more like she needed a complete list for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I don't know. I don't know because I don't know where we're going. And we haven't done a television show yet where neither one of us have seen it. This is really and interesting. And maybe I wonder if it's related to what caused it. Yeah. that's. I mean, these are all good speculations. Yeah. I just think they did a good job. They did a good job setting the hook for a yeah. lot of different things. And none of it did I feel like felt contrived. It all felt like it all felt like a natural outgrowth. Yeah. And the character that we love to hate is gone, the vicar. And we got a new character. Yes. Who, I really like that yeah. they set up that tension with the vicar and Maxine. It's like, okay, you could totally ride out this conflict, uh, like the conflict of the villains. Yeah. But then as Maxine is kind of getting settled in, we get, oh, no, bye, vicar. Yeah. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Yeah, because he starts having a heart attack. She runs in down 911, sees that he had nine, the nine, record. 999. Nine, nine, nine. Sorry. Runs into dial eight. What's the one <laughs> <laughs> from the IT crowd? <laughs> Hold on. We're going to pause.
pause. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes. And then he ends up sending them an email. I'm sorry to bother you, but it appears I have a fire. 011 So she goes in. You can put a sound clip from there. I'll send you the video. Oh, thank you. So she goes in to call that, and then she's like, that bastard kept this back from me. Ooh, we also got to see Philip. Philip went to some kind of secret meetup. Oh, did he? Yeah. Remember, he went to that building. Oh, and they yes. Had a, yes. They had a, like a flower outside. And he said. And I thought, oh, uh-oh. Yeah. Now we have to bring up the goddess Ishtar on the podcast again. Yes. <laughs> no. The last time that happened, <laughs> oh, not things Gil got wild. <laughs> No. <laughs> Matt, would you like to discuss, uh, can you give us a rundown on who the goddess Ishtar uh, is? No. Yeah, no, L- do, because people might not know. Listen to the, listen to our. No, no, break it down. We didn't talk about who Ishtar was. We just talked about Gilgamesh and Inkadu. Okay, so in, I read Gilgamesh a while ago, and Ishtar is a big deal there. Yeah. Um, But the Temple of Ishtar is a place where uh, basically sexuality was celebrated mm-hmm. and um, provided. And so there were... Uh, volunteers, uh, adherents to the religion that if you needed some human physical connection, you could go get it there. Yeah. And in the Gilgamesh story, the I think it's the gods create Enkidu as a companion for Gilgamesh because Gilgamesh is like too, he's too much. Yeah. And he needs he's some too balance. Extra. He's, he needs something to balance him. And so they create Enkidu, and Enkidu is just this half-beast, half-divine thing wandering through the forest. And like high priestess at the temple goes and um, uh, humanizes him yeah, uh, by having sex for like seven days straight. I and mean, by that, the end of it, he can speak. Make, that would calm anybody down. <laughs> So it's interesting that we bring that in, that the goddess Ishtar is the password into whatever this is that he's going to. Right. Ishtar, there's, that's, that's Also interesting that the half beast, half divine description. Ooh. Very, very succinctly fits our PDS sufferers. I like that. Um, The only thing in this episode that I felt was consistently frustrating is the fact that Kieran wants to move on and start a new life. He wants to go to Paris. He wants to become an artist. Everybody is trying to talk him out of it. And everyone is like, well, no, you can stay in Roerton if you want to. You don't need to, you don't, you don't need to leave if you don't want to. You don't have to feel like you need to go. And it's like, no, you don't understand. He doesn't want to stay here. He is not getting kicked out. He is voluntarily leaving. Would you all get up off his fucking back about it? Right? Yeah. That's how I felt. So every time someone Why was like, Why is everybody oh, no, holding no. him back? Right. Even Amy's like, oh, no, don't go yet. Which well, feels. she has an ulterior motive. I've I know. That feeling. felt so selfish when she was like, well, don't leave yet. I just got back. No, let the man go. It's fine. Maybe he'll meet somebody there. He even has a book that has PDS friendly places to stay. I mean, I get why Karen's upset. I mean, I get why Kieran can't look at himself in the mirror. Because this right. thing has happened to him that right. everyone everybody's can see. in denial about. And everyone can see. He can't hide. I mean, he can hide it, but he can't really hide it. He's at the pub, and for a second, Maxine doesn't realize it. And then she puts her hand on his, and he must be cold. And she realizes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, she recognizes that. Yeah. 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 And so being the first like PDS sufferer in Rorton that she interacts with, she probably has plans for Kieran too. Like given that she's had a personal interaction with Oh, him. I mean, I think she just has a plan for well, everybody. She, I there. think she has yeah. plans for all of them. Yeah. But since she's directly interacted with Kieran, I feel like 
he's going to be the example that she makes yeah. for the rest of them. This show was a master class in foreshadowing, too. Yes. This episode was. The fe- like the point where Maxine is staying at the bed and, bed and breakfast, and the lady's like, oh, we're going to watch TV in a little bit if you want to watch it. And she's like, oh, what kind of show is it? And she says, oh, it's a mystery show, but it's the best kind where everybody's a suspect. And she's oh, like, oh, yes, that that's my favorite too. bit. Uh, yeah. Oh, and how funny was them sitting with the mother-in-law? <laughs> how bad would that be if you had... after, after her sympathies were revealed. Yes. Well, that part too, but also imagine being married and you have an overbearing mother-in-law who doesn't like your spouse and you're always fighting. And then finally, um, tragically... You are relieved of that sense of constant conflict. And then all of a sudden, not only are they back, but they're never going to die again. And they won't leave. And you can't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. That would be. Oof. Yeah. I hope the cat didn't die. Remember, she goes out to feed the cat. Oh, I. No. (laughs) The cat got scared away. The cat. the cat was scared of the zombie. Yeah, the cat was scared of the zombie. Or the zombie. PDS sufferer. I mean, zombies survive. I mean, cats survived, so clearly cats knew to stay away, right? We're just going to go with that. Well, there are, there are a lot of cats. Like, I know there's, there's a lot of cats. There's a wild number of, like, feral cats. Are you trying to convince me it's okay because there's going to be more more cats where that came from? I'm not trying to, like, reassure you or placate you about the, the, um, what's the word? The prognosis? It was, was, um, (laughs) I'm not trying to convey that the suffering of any cats killed by zombies is inconsequential. Mm, diminished. Because... You were not trying to diminish the suffering. Yes. yes. Okay. I I was trying to, I was speaking to the point of any concern about cats being wiped out. Mm, right. Because there are just so many wild Interesting cats. that there's still roaming rabid zombies. I feel this like this is a recent development because of the Liberation Army. Well, they were talking about the fence, that they have a fence to keep them right. out, and that the fence is maybe failing, and that they need to reinforce the fence. And it implies that there are enough around that they need... Well, I mean, I guess if literally everyone who died in the entire year of 2009 all got up at once... That's a lot to deal with. I guess yeah. that's a lot to deal with. So it would take, you know, a long time, especially if they've been like out in the wild or if they've been able to eat other things and so they haven't come in and now that their food supply maybe is running out, they need to come back in. I mean, there's a lot of open country. That's true. For a zombie to get lost in. Up in the highlands. Well, they're out in the rural. The well, right. Valley. They're they're in the rural north. Yeah. Just south of the highlands. Yeah. I wonder if there's any highlanders. <laughs> I'm talking about highlanders <laughs> right now. That's Scottish. Don't even. It's different. It's it's adjacent. Okay. I don't know. North England is Scotland adjacent. Yeah, I don't know. What was the point of the like the doctor's visit where the lady was flirting with the doctor? Um it was um foreshadowing. Was it foreshadowing? It was at the very beginning and it was the lady yes. who was our Yeah, the nurse covert nurse yeah. from the first season. And maybe it was just to tie up her now that she can actually be at a clinic, she's not having to make house calls. Right. And she's she is also saying, oh, you don't need to go anywhere, Kieran. There's no reason to run. You can stay here. It's beautiful. The valley is beautiful. We're known for our picturesque. I think she's in denial about the state of affairs locally. And Kieran leaving would enlighten her as yeah. to the PDS sufferer's perception of 
how things are going locally. Well, he's not just fleeing because he's a PDS sufferer. Right. He wants to recapture his lost life. He he lost everything. He lost his, I mean, he... Right, however, like he wants to go to art school. However it was lost, it was lost. He made a choice, and because of that, the life that he wanted, he didn't get. And now he got a second chance, which, as we know... When he was talking about Rick, he sort of views as a gift. He hates the the way the gift has been given. He doesn't necessarily like what he is, but this is maybe a chance for him to recapture a little bit of that life. And he wants to go do it. He wants to go to Paris. He wants to be alive again. And he can't because no one will get up off his back about it they're like stay in Rorton this place that has shit on you killed you twice almost killed your boyfriend twice right walk every day by the places where you used to be with the person you loved and have now lost tragically twice hang out and try to be normal with these people that just tried to kill you including douchebag HVF guy Gary who finally Kieran stands up to because he's in the bar getting drunk, yelling about zombies and rotters and how they all need to die and making dead jokes every time Kieran comes by, which he's putting up with because he doesn't want to rock the boat. Right. But then when Amy shows up with Stephen? Simon. Simon. Thank you. And it was a generic white boy name. Amy Simon. and Simon are deliberately rocking the boat. Yeah, they're there to deliberately rock the boat. And it ends up getting Kieran riled up enough that he tries to kick Gary out. And Gary's like, what are you going to do about it? Well, Kieran's a, he's a PDS sufferer. He shoves him halfway across the room. And then Simon ends up choking Gary. And his boss, who had just told him, Look around. Someday, all of this could be yours. Again, talking Kieran into staying. Yeah. She hands him the keys because she's going to promote him to a key holder. And she she points a gun at him. And so he just takes the keys out of his pocket, puts them on the counter, and he's like, fuck all y'all, I'm out. And he leaves. And that's, I mean, that leads us Which more or less to the end of the up. episode. Yeah. It frees up his day and nighttime hours. To pursue plot activities. Yes. For the rest of the season. So at this point, Amy and Simon are rocking the boat for unknown reasons. The vicar is dead. As far as we know. As far as we know. Probably. Probably. Maxine is our new antagonist. And she is very wholeheartedly on the scene and has got a picture of every single PDS sufferer who rose in Rorton. She's got... Or we have Jemima, who is struggling at school, struggling with her PTSD, struggling with the things she has done, struggling to find a new life. And Kieran, who is prepared to leave, he's packing his suitcase. He's ready to go be somewhere new and get out of this shithole for a little while. And, and that's Jem, where we leave it. The foreshadowing also implies that Jem is going to have to deal with a... Romantic admirer. Yeah. I want to see where that goes to. Yeah. The little zombie PDS sufferer who has the hots for Jim. He says the only reason he came back is so he could be with Jim Walker, mm -hmm. which is really cute. And that's where we leave this episode. And I'm excited about the next one. Ditto. I want to see where we're going. It's. I feel like they do a very good job of evoking a lot of strong emotions it was not as, like, dense as the first season. Yeah. It didn't feel like they were trying to pack in as much um, metaphor, the, the tone, allegory. The tone was far more like a setup and far less like a tragedy. Yeah. Um, you can see tragedy on the horizon, but it wasn't quite hitting you over the head with tragedy in the way that the first season did. And I'm okay with that. I feel like six episodes with the same heavy, difficult, emotive tone of the first season would have been a lot to go through. And I'm interested to have a plot to pull us through all of the emotions I have a very good feeling we're about to feel. 
What I want to know was, would this have hit the same in 2012 as it does now? I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have. I think I don't remember. I guess we weren't um, we weren't analyzing things as heavily then, but I don't remember the first three episodes hitting as hard as when we just rewatched them. I remember it feeling like, oh, that's sad for those characters. Yeah. Oh, that's really hard for those characters. But now I'm like, oh, God, I could go out on the street right now and see something very much like this. And yeah. I, I don't think I didn't feel that way. when It I wasn't it as relatable. Time. Yeah, it wasn't as relatable. And I'm wondering if it would have felt as relatable. This season would have felt as relatable. I don't know, because we can't go back. We can't go back. But I don't know, the whole like domestic terrorism, the response to progress with a push for return to like return to values or whatever is very um, triggering and very relatable and very hard to watch, but necessary to watch. I'm interested to see where we go with it. Yeah, I think a Removing the vicar was a big part of progressing the narrative of this story because season one, it was all like religious ideology yeah. driving the um, the antagonistic behavior. Yes. Yeah. But now, we, and we were setting, we were kind of continuing that with opening with the vicar, but now we've removed the vicar. We've yeah. removed the the antagonistic motivations from the the religious ideology to something else. Yeah. A political ideology. Inherent um an inherent bias endemic in the system against anything different from the status quo. Right. And this yeah. this goes I feel like this is going to go into much more of a social political commentary yeah, rather than a religious commentary. Which is good. Yes. I think it's I good agree. because I feel like when we focus too hard on the religion, people are like, oh, I'm not in a cult. I'm not like that. It's fine. Right. Which is how I felt about Midnight Mass is we leaned it's, so yes, hard into the religion that I was like, oh, my fucking God. That show is massively improved if you fast forward through all of the sermons, by the way. Just putting that out there. But yeah, that felt like, oh, by the end of it, you were just like, I'm it, really glad all these people off. are dying. I'm just glad they're all dying. The content so, becomes so, Oh, God. And I'm glad we pivoted. I'm glad we pivoted. If I'd had yeah. to go through six episodes of The Vicar right. pontificating, right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. And I don't know, we may get that because we, we haven't seen it. We don't know. But I'm glad to see we are setting it up for a far larger conversation right. than just religion. I feel like Maxine is more adapted to appealing to a wider, more mainstream audience yeah. than just the like fundamental religious factions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where we're going to leave it. Because now we're going to watch season episode two and see where that goes. I'm excited. I'm excited. I know this is going to end on a cliffhanger because it got canceled again. So I know it's going to break my heart, but I'm ready for this ride. (sighs) Do you have anything else you want to add? You want to talk about Gilgamesh, Ishtar, (sighs) nature of human sexuality, anything like Um, that? Maybe on the next drunk watch along. Yeah. Review. Now that we've broken the Ishtar gates open again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to do some research. I think it's fascinating the idea that pre-Christian cultures had such a uh, not all pre-Christian cultures, but there are some pre-Christian cultures that had such extremely fluid and almost divine relationship with the way we thought about human sexuality, mm-hmm. because it is an act of creation or can be an act of creation, but it can also be just an act of intimacy and communication between two people. Yeah, and the fact that that can be light but it can also be an extremely profound experiment experience for two people you better wrap this up or i'm gonna start talking about it again um well i was gonna say that 
Ishtar and Inanna were kind of got mushed together. Um, but she was the goddess of love, war, and fertility. Love it. And associated with beauty, sex, divine law, and political power. And uh, perceived as the inspiration for um, the Greek Aphrodite and possibly Athena. Athena. Yeah. That would make sense. So remember. Well, I don't know if that's a good segue. but That's a good segue. <laughs> Normally you don't even have a segue. I just stare yeah. at you hard until you start saying it. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a way I wanted to do it. Let me think. Oh, speaking of changing the subject, <laughs> remember sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.